Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Bless you guys. Man, how many of you are just in love with Jesus? Man, I'm just, I'm so in love with Jesus. He just messes me up, that guy. <laughs> I just so love Jesus. A few years ago, I was just, uh, I, I used to put stuff on Facebook that just kind of like, I don't know, just I used to like to be a little bit controversial. And uh, so I used to put stuff on Facebook just to watch comments. So a few years ago, I was just feeling a little feisty. So I put on Facebook one night, I put, uh, it was one morning, I put, I'm in love with a man. <laughs> That's all I wrote. <laughs> and I sat back and just watched the comments come in. And I don't know how to use Facebook very well, but I do know how to use delete and block. <laughs> I did delete and block a few people, so-called friends. <laughs> and uh, but a friend of mine came on and he and he he put uh, he put a comment up and he put um, Chris, you have a problem. And I'm like, wow, I ne- he didn't know what I meant. And that's all he wrote. And then a couple of minutes later, he puts up another line. He says, because we're in love with the same man. But I, I am truly in love with Jesus, and uh, he is just he is absolutely everything to me. And the more that I find him, the more I'm in love with him, and the more I understand him, the more I'm in love with him. How many of you know that Jesus is on every page of the Bible? Jesus didn't appear in Matthew. Some of you are like, huh, he didn't? <laughs> he's on every page. He came in flesh in Matthew, but Jesus is eternal, and he's there in every page. And he doesn't hide himself from us, he hides himself for us, that we can go and discover and we can find him. And you'll find him in here as the person of Isaac, and you'll find him in here as the person of Boaz, and you'll find him as Moses, and you'll find him as Noah, and you'll see the traits of Jesus. Isaac's the one, you'll find him as Joseph, but Isaac's the one that I love, I most love to preach out of, the similarities. You go and study for yourself. Between the similarities between Isaac and Jesus, I found 40 similarities of either uh, almost completely the same things as, as the two of them. For example, Isaac was taken on a three-day journey. He was required to carry his altar on his back, his own altar on his back. Old Testament scholars now believe that Isaac was 33 when he was taken up to be sacrificed. Isaac willingly gave his life for his father. You might ask me how I know that. Well... If Isaac was 33, that makes Abraham 133. You can't tell me a 133-year-old man can bind and gag and put on an altar a 33-year-old man. So Isaac willingly gave his life to his father. We know that Jesus willingly gave his life for the will of his father. So I just love Jesus. I love the gospel. I love the Bible, but I love the gospel. Many people teach the Bible, but they don't teach the gospel. And I just, I just love the gospel. I just feast on the gospel all the time of what it says, who, who he says I am and what he says I can do. Amen. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your, your wonderful hospitality. It's actually my second time in Oklahoma in two weeks. I was in Oklahoma City just a couple of weeks ago at um, somewhere. I forgot where I was. A big church. Crossroads, is it? Crossroads is it? It was a big church, and I flew there straight from Japan. I'd just been in Tokyo, and uh, I was only went, uh, 24 hours before I took off to Tokyo. I was in New Zealand, so I've crossed the international dateline four times in the last six weeks. So I'm kind of forgetting what time and what day it is. 
what week it is. I don't even know what month it is. I've, uh, I was in one country. I was actually in Switzerland, and I woke up one morning, and I had no idea what country I was in. I didn't know where the heck I was. And I had to go to the window and open the blinds to look out. Ah, oh, that's right. That's where I am. I went back to bed. <laughs> so, but it really is, uh, it, it is a joy. To, uh, it's a real joy to be here. We had a great day today. How many of you here this morning and this afternoon? All right. And how many of you are not coming back tomorrow? <laughs> well, that's encouraging. I was just trying to encourage myself and the Lord. <laughs> And uh, we're going to have a we're going to have a great day tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, I, I think tomorrow morning is I'm maybe I still got to work this out of my heart yet. But tomorrow I want to um, possibly share a message, which I was going to show you, and I can't find it. Oh, here it is. I wanted to share a message uh, with the team tomorrow of the revelation that God uh, that God gave me about eighteen months ago of how to see autism healed. Now I, I, I am gonna I'm gonna say something to avoid you sending me hate mail, so I'm just gonna address it right now. This is the one message that I've got the most hate mail on, and this is the one comment that I get the most hate mail on. So I'm just gonna tell you this right now. Don't bother sending it to me. I don't read it. All right? It goes in file 13. I throw it across the room into the trash, and I do not read hate mail any longer because I know how to encourage myself in the Lord. So I just throw that out. And the, com- the, the, issue that, the issue that I have created, and I, I am going to address this because so you hear my heart in it, is that people write to me and say, what right do you think that you have to heal autistic children because that's how God made them? And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Now, what I didn't just say is I don't like autistic children. What I just said is I hate autism. I love the child. And what the world has done in a search to find peace, because we haven't had answers to seen autistic children healed. So what we've done to try and find peace and parents try and find peace is that we come to the conclusion that autism is from God and that's how God made them so we can find peace. But that's not the peace that God gives. That's the peace that the world gives. And what we've done as parents is that we've made the identity of the child and the condition of the child one thing. Where they're not one thing, the identity of the child is that they are the most perfect gift from God, but the condition of the child is they have autism. And we need to start pulling the two apart as opposed to putting the two together. Amen? And uh, so I want to share tomorrow the... um, I think I'm going to share tomorrow. It is a message out there. It's called The Spirit That Destroys Chaos of how to see the revelation that God gave me, how to see autism healed. And I've been ministering to children now with autism for about 10 years, and we've just had our 47th breakthrough in autistic kids, either either significant or full breakthrough. The last one was a full breakthrough. It's instantaneous. He was healed on the spot. Not that I knew it. He went home and woke up just a new kid the next day. And uh, he's, he's walked that out with the, you know, just the amazement of his grandmother that he lives with. And all, I have a real heart to actually want to see mental health healed. I, I'm doing um, a lot of conferences now. Um, we won't be doing it tonight, but we, we actually stand up people that are dealing with. There's such a stigma that comes with mental health. And I think that that's half of the problem and us not getting healed because we allow shame to come on us because of the stigma of mental health. 
And, uh, and so I prayed this revelation that God gave me out to see autistic children healed over a mental health patient that came to me. And uh, it's a longer story. I'll share it tomorrow. But she had a disassociate identity disorder. She had BDD, which is body morphic disorder. She had post-traumatic stress disorder. She had uh, anorexia nervosa. She had suicidal voices every minute of every day in her head. And she had a, uh, a, hip, a hip problem. And when she went to the doctor for an examination, the doctor raped her. So she really was quite a mental mess. And, uh, and I just prayed that she'd been 20 years of professional counseling. I got the letter on my iPad from the head psychiatric doctor of all of England and saying that she needs to be institutionalized. She's a danger to society and she needs to be locked up in a, you know, um, not in a prison, you know, in a, what do you call them? Institution. Yeah, in like an institution. And uh, she comes to the meeting. I pray the same revelation. It was a 30-second prayer. After 20 years of inner healing and 20 years of professional counseling, I pray the same revelation that God gave me over her, how to see the autistic kids healed, and in 30 seconds she was made whole. She, she is now, that was eight, 16 months ago. She is now an itinerant minister in England. She circulates around, Amer- uh, around uh, England. She has a ministry called Feed the Hungry. Uh, I'm sorry, Stall the Hungry. And she ministers to uh, young people that are suffering with anorexia nervosa and disassociated identity disorder and seen, and seen breakthrough. I hear from her probably once every three or four weeks. She drops me a little note to say what she's up to and that she just saw another one healed and things like that. So anybody here got a child that suffers with autism? Here we go. Grand, grandchild? There we go. Bless you. As you notice, it's not a CD. Don't try and put it in your computer. <laughs> you, go, you go to the website on the back and you enter in the code and the message will just download into your computer. Because I don't like CDs. They're heavy. They scratch. They what have you. So, that is, uh, so they, <clears throat> they are at the back. So I think I'm going to speak on, I think I'm going to speak on that tomorrow, tomorrow morning. We, we will see how we go. Um, also out the back is uh, my, my books. Um, there's my new book that's just come out. How many have read my old book? Walking in Supernatural, Supernatural Healing Power. I always, always forgot what it was called. <laughs> Walking in Supernatural. I had to look to remind myself. Walking in Supernatural Healing Power. My, I, just, I just got one. My heart just burns for one thing, and that's to see the body healed. Man, I just want to see people healed. Man, Jesus didn't heal people to coax them to be a Christian. He just healed them because that's the heart of the Father. And uh, I, just, I just want to see people healed, and I want to see the body equipped to heal the sick. And that book is going to help you with that. It's not about the principles. If, you think, if you're looking for the formula, there isn't one. There's not a Christian formula. Some of you are like, huh? I wish there was. Yeah, I wish there was too. It would be so much easier, right? Well, I'm going to show you tonight that it is, it, it is easy. But it's not a formula. It's about addressing the mindset and addressing our heart. And when we address the mindset and the heart, healing healing just flows. So that is out there. My latest book is Overflow. I just love to see Christians walk in the abundance of heaven. I don't see many Christians that are, that are prospering in the abundance of heaven. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about just Christians that know how to stay full of Jesus. And uh, this is co-authored with my amazing wife of 25 years. And it's also co-authored with... Twelve of my sons who are all in jail, and uh, so they in the maximum prison serving life sentences. And uh, I got sixty-five sons in prison, and twelve of them helped me write this. 
And uh, they're, they're absolutely amazing of how they stay full of God despite being incarcerated for, you know, one of them's in prison for 505 years. And uh, so they helped me write that. And I know that there's victims, so I, uh, I put their first names in there. Their last names are not in the book uh, for protection of, you know, certain things. And I don't, I don't even write in there what prison that they're in, but it's in, it's in uh, Texas. And um, it's our ministry team manual. That is it's how I train all my ministry team. I've got about uh, 1,800 on my ministry team. So I train them all. And then there's a workbook there. Um, it's a workbook that goes, the, you can read this without the book, but it's pretty hard to read. I'm sorry, you can read this. You can read this without this, but it's a little hard to read this without this. All right, so it's a study guide. You can go through, ask your questions, and you can fill it in and write on the pages and, and stuff like that. The team are offering uh, something, there's some special pricing out there tonight. And uh, basically, if you buy the two white books, you get the, it's pretty much the overflow one for free tonight. All right, and... Um, and they're going to give you a free audio message as well, which is a message the Lord gave me um, in a dream. Um, the most profound times that God has spoken to me is in dreams. I wish it happened every night. It doesn't. It's, I probably had about 10, maybe 10 or 12, like just amazing encounters with God in, in the dream. And, and this particular message that you're going to get for free is I came when I was at a place called Mystic, Connecticut. It's probably a good place to have a mystical dream, right? <laughs> And uh, I went to bed one night, done a Friday night conference. I went to bed, and over the night, he said, this is what I want to teach them tomorrow. And I said, God, I in the dream, I said, God, I don't know how to teach that. And he said, that's why I'm here. And he told me he told me five points. He gave me the sermon outline. He gave me all the meat in between. And I woke up with a message on my heart and went and preached that message. And it's actually, I don't believe that God's best for us is miracles. I believe that God's best for us is not getting sick. And if we need a miracle, we're going to, we're going to get it. So that particular message is about how to get healed and how to stay healed. I want to see people stay healed. Amen? All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump in here, and we're going to preach for a bit, and then we're going to go after some miracles. I wanted to speak to you tonight about Jesus. It's a good topic to start on, right? <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm leaving, leading a... Uh, a, a life that's the centrality of the cross is that the cross and Jesus is actually center, center in our lives. And I just I long to see Jesus put back in the church, not psychology, but Jesus put back in the church that we become Christ centered, and it really becomes about Christ because it is. I shared a couple passages this afternoon. I do want to touch on them again for those that weren't here. But in Hebrews one verse three, it says that He is the exact representation of the Father. It's referring to Jesus is the exact representation of Father. God didn't send cancer to teach you a lesson. He sent Jesus Christ to teach cancer a lesson. And I tell you, we as a church, we have to change our mindset in regards to sickness. That it wasn't sent from God to teach you a lesson that he sent Jesus Christ to teach sickness the ultimate lesson. And when we put Jesus Christ back as the centrality of our lives, as the center of the cross, at the center of our lives, the cross is that we begin to see fruit flow out of our lives. Hebrews 1.3, he is the exact representation of the Father. But if we want to know what the Father's like, according to Scripture, we just need to look at Jesus. Because when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. 
Jesus and God are not warring against each other. If you want to know what the Father's like, look at Jesus. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see in the life of Jesus that he never welcomed a hurricane. He never blessed a tornado, which you guys have here, right? <laughs> I'm going back to California. <laughs> we just have earthquakes. Do you have those here? <laughs> I grew up with earthquakes regularly. I'm from New Zealand, and the, man, I've been out on the lawn, and it's going by like a wave. We used to try and stand on it so you could stand the longest. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> but we know, we we don't see Jesus welcoming earthquakes, welcoming tornadoes, welcoming storms. We don't see Jesus putting sickness upon somebody to develop character in them. What we see in the person of Jesus is that every storm he came to, he calmed. Every sick person that ever came to him, he healed. Every funeral that Jesus ever went to, he messed that thing up, including his own. And Jesus Christ must become our role model for ministry, not some story in the old covenant that we don't understand. Now, I didn't, I didn't just say I don't like the Old Covenant. I love the Old Covenant, and most of my reading in the last couple of years has been the Old Testament. But every story there that we don't understand is actually pointing to a need that we needed a Savior. And Jesus comes along, and Jesus Christ is that Savior. My model for ministry, our model for ministry, must become Jesus. Not something that we don't understand, because that was the problem pointing to an answer and that answer comes in his name is Jesus. Amen. I wanted to I wanted to speak to you about I wanted to speak to you tonight about faith. And I wanted to come at a perhaps a slightly different perspective of what you've heard on faith. And I'm fully aware that I'm in the Bible belt of America. And uh, so I want to come at you tonight from a slightly different perspective. So please please hear me through on what I've got to say. In Luke 18, verse 8, it says this. It says, Jesus said, okay, this is, Jesus said, Jesus said this. <laughs> when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith upon this earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith upon this earth? What's Jesus looking for? It's not a trick question. Right? It's an open book test. You can read it. When I come, what... Will I really find faith upon this earth? See, Jesus is looking for faith. And I want to talk a little bit about faith. It's probably one of the subjects that's most dear to my heart. See, Jesus is looking for a victorious church. When he comes back, will he find people of faith? See, a church that's crying out for God to come back and save us from the mess that we're currently in is not a victorious church. When Jesus is on this earth, he said, I am the light of the world. And when he left, he said, now you are, do something with it. See, as a, as a body, we think that we're called to reflect as light. We don't reflect the light. We are the light. We are the light of the world because he took up possession inside us. And he's trapped in the lives of unbelieving believers and he wants out. We are, we have, we became the very light of the world. 
But I don't know about you, but when I was raised in Sunday school as a child, we used to sing that song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. I hate that song. I'm sorry if you're the artist of it. (laughs) I hate that song because we don't possess a little light living inside us. We have the very light of the world living inside us. See, the Bible said he's coming back for a victorious bride and it's time for the church to start to shine their light that the whole world would actually see what we possess. But we don't shine our light because we don't know who we are. I spoke this morning in the first session about, uh, about who we are in Christ and our understanding of who we are in Christ and, and who Christ is in us. See, our destiny as believers, our destiny is heaven. Glory to God. Now that's our destiny, but that's not our assignment. And we've got our assignment and our destiny mixed up. Our destiny is heaven, but our assignment is not going to heaven. Our assignment is learn to bring heaven. But yet the church is so wrapped up in the gospel of salvation that we're just kind of like trying to hold on tight. And it's like, oh, he's coming back soon. He's coming. Just hold on tight, people. Like he's coming. It's like that's not a victorious church. I, I don't believe that he's coming back until there's a victorious church, which is just the Bible. I do believe in the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of salvation, the emphasis is on going up. But the gospel of the kingdom is about bringing heaven down. And as believers, he's looking for someone that just believes that he is who he says he is, that we can bring the realities of heaven to earth right here, right now. I don't want to get to heaven and find out I could have had me some heaven on earth. I, I, I've given my life for this thing. I've given my life to Jesus. I just want to burn for Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, I want to see how much, of, how much of heaven can I carry? How much of heaven can I carry? How much of heaven can a city carry? How much of heaven can one person carry? That we can see the realities of heaven. See, what is God's will? God's will is heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Matthew 10. Matthew 6, it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, guess what? There's no sickness in heaven, so I don't need to tolerate it on earth. That's his will. But yet in our powerlessness of the church, I'm not talking about this church. Talk about the church around the corner. <laughs> and if you're from that one, I didn't mean that one. I meant the other corner. <laughs> in, in our powerlessness, we've made our own theology or we've, we've pulled the word of God down to our experience and we're living out of an experience as opposed to living out of the word of God. It's interesting how we come up with all sorts of justifications as to why people are not healed. And we're going to shred those to pieces tomorrow night. We're going to just bring your barbecue to church. We're going to smoke the sacred cow. <laughs> we're going to have a good old barbecue tomorrow night, I tell you. We're gonna, man, I love cow. <laughs> we're just going to cook the whole thing and just eat it. Because I, 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 I don't believe it's the, 
it's the absence of faith. I believe it's the presence of doubt. So we're just going to systematically destroy doubts tomorrow night. That you're going to it'll leave no reason for you not to get healed. Amen. <clears throat> I have to excuse me. My my throat's been working hard. It's I worked out the other day. I'm preaching like 400 times a year. And it's like, oh, my throat is like, oh, this is not good. I need a vacation. But hey, Monday I've got off. I'm going skiing. You can't come all this way and not stop in Colorado to go skiing. So I'm going skiing in Brackenridge on Monday. I just like all things fast. Sometimes too fast. <laughs> Destroyed myself two years ago skiing. It was the first time in 30 years I've been taken off in a stretcher because I was trying to hit 60 mile an hour. I hit 57, but <laughs> it wasn't pretty. <laughs> Looked like a snowball going down the mountain out of control. <laughs> See, what's he looking for? He's looking for faith. He's looking for someone that actually believes that he's the healer, he's the deliverer, and he's the restorer, and he's the reconciler of all things. Because he is. That's Jesus. So let's put Jesus back in the center of the church. See, in the Old Testament, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And he'd go into the Holy of Holies, and it wasn't as an act of worship. He went in the Holy of Holies to pay an atonement for the sins of Israel. And depending upon how pure his gift was, it was depending on how well Israel is blessed that year. If he had a perfect gift, if the, the blood of the lambs and the goats was perfect, Israel's blessed. And if it was blemished, there was no blessing that year for Israel. But isn't it interesting how we take that old covenant principle, we carry it over into the new covenant, and we think it's the same, that our gift needs to be perfect, that if we're perfect, we'll see the kingdom come. But under the new covenant, you can thank God that our high priest walked into the Holy of Holies as a perfect, unblemished sacrifice, and you can thank God he walked out. See, I'm not, you, please, you've got to hear the statement in its entirety before you cut me off, if you haven't already. I'm not, we hear the statement, well, obedience releases the blessing. Yeah, absolutely right, his obedience. Because if I say that it's my obedience that releases the blessing, it's become a gospel with me as the center. This is a Christ-centered gospel. Now, what I just didn't say is that obedience is not important. What I just said is I am obedient because I am blessed. I'm not blessed to be, I'm not obedient to be blessed. I'm not obedient to be blessed. I am blessed and that's why I'm obedient. Because I think that if we're being if we're being obedient to be blessed, I just think that sounds like works. And it's another route we've got to jump through. I am the most obedient person, or I think I am. I'll go anywhere God wants me to go. I had a prophetic word over me two years ago that I'm going to Iran. <laughs> I went home and I said, my wife, she like, got a word tonight. They were going to Iran. She goes, what's the word? We or you? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm like, me? And she goes, have a good trip. <laughs> I'm not coming with you. I'm like, okay. See, what would it look like if we put Jesus back as the center, as that he is the perfect one, that he is the obedience, the obedient one, that we are blessed because of his obedience? We'd actually, st- would actually start to see more fruit than our works of thinking that it's our perfection that sees the kingdom come. It's not our perfection, it's his perfection. Are you guys doing okay? See, what would happen if we, what would happen if we stopped praying so hard? Hello? It's like, I didn't just say I don't like praying. In, in the book of Kings, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see the story, there's a terrible drought upon the land and Elijah wants the drought broken. You all know the story. This is the Bible Belt. You should know the story. You probably know the story better than me. And it says that he puts his head between his knees and he prays hard for the drought to be broken. And we know he sends a servant out. He goes, go and see if the rain's coming. And the servant goes out and the servant comes back and says, there's no rain. And Elijah puts his head between his knees again and he prays again. Seven times he repeats the process. And on the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, I can see the cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. Aren't you think about this? Who put the drought in place? Elijah. So Elijah's praying for the drought to be broken that he put in place. But notice he didn't pray hard to put the drought in place. 1 Kings 17, it said, at the declaration of his voice, he said that it will not rain again until I say. So at the, at the decree of his voice, he puts the drought in place, but he wants the blessing of the Lord now because the drought's come and now it's like they're in trouble and he needs the blessing of the Lord. And he's like, oh man, I've got to pray hard. Well, you can thank God you're in a new covenant because yet we take that principle, we cross it into the new, the new covenant and some people have more faith in the judgment of the Lord than they do the blessing of the Lord. What if we began to declare the blessing of the Lord and we began to speak the blessing of the Lord and we actually had to really pray hard for the judgment of the Lord? See, I want my faith to be in the, in the goodness of the, the goodness of God, of the heart that Christ has for the nations. I got some good news for you. He actually loves us. I got some good news for you. He doesn't actually just love you. He, he actually likes you. It's his obligation to love us. It's not his obligation to like us. He actually likes us. Three of you got that. <laughs> He loves to do what we want to do. See, I love faith. See, faith is so powerful that the woman with the issue of blood, she breaks Mosaic law to get to Jesus. She wasn't allowed out in public. She breaks the law to get to Jesus and she just pushes through and she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. She didn't, she didn't think. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, the Bible says she said, 
If I can just touch the hem of his garment, no, no, I'll be healed. She breaks the law. You can be thankful that faith sees beyond our imperfections. She breaks the law and heaven still invades. And she sees the invasion of heaven come into her life. See, that's how powerful faith is. See, faith is the currency of heaven. Without question. It's kind of a joke, but it's kind of serious. But Like the US dollar is the currency of the US. Except faith's got something back in it. <laughs> Ouch. Faith is the currency of heaven. There's something powerful about a believer that just believes that he is who he says he is. That he's the healer, the restorer, the deliverer, the savior. Amen. A few years ago, a few years ago, my, my title is the director of healing ministries. I got 919 people on my healing rooms team and I got about another 900 that worked the front line of church. We ministered to the sick on all nine services every weekend. So we've got teams on Friday nights, Sundays, the multiple services on Sunday and Sunday night. got teams, so we've got about another 900, so it's about 1,800. got some other small ministry teams that do different things. So it's close to, it's close to about 1,900 ministry team members. See, my title is the Director of Healing Ministries. That actually means that I'm in charge. Huh. D, Director of Healing Ministries. But I tell you, I got such a revelation on something a few years ago. And the revelation's this, is that if he's so good at his job as the healer, then I don't need to be that good at mine. So therefore, I came to this conclusion, is that if he's so good at his job, I don't need to be good at mine. So therefore, I get paid to be no good at my job. Because if I become good at my job, I actually no longer need him. And now I'm a professional Christian. (laughs) See, I want to live in the place that I don't actually know what I'm doing. And most of the time, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just like to hang out with the one that knows what he's doing. And I'm the director. I, I get paid to heal the sick. And I don't know what I'm doing. That's awesome. You know how freeing that is? I got the best job in the world. Like I get job, I get paid to perform badly. <laughs> I just got to learn to hang out with the one that's good at his job. He's the healer. I'm not, but he happens to reside in me and he wants out. I just got to learn to let him out. It's like whether I see him or whether I feel him, it's like, oh, heck, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. He just shows up. Man, I just want to see some childlike faith put back into the church. That we stop being professional and we start being come back to the simplicity of the gospel. I was in uh, I was in France last summer. I think it was in June in a Catholic conference. Any Catholics here? I love Catholics. Man, I love Catholics. I was sharing the pulpit with some priests in their robes. I'm like, can I pray for you? I said, I would love you to pray for me. How about we pray for each other? I want a father's blessing. And I'm like, and I'm going to pray for you. I said, how about I go first? You know, these Catholic priests get up and I'm fire. They're on the ground shaking. I 
wanted to know what the Catholic priest wore under his thing. I said, what do you wear under there? And he, it's jeans. <laughs> and I got, on, I got on my knees and they just prayed a father's blessing over me. We had a wonderful time with 2,000 Catholics in the room. 2,000 Catholics and like over 2,000 miracles on the final night. This is how we, like, I'm not allowed to attend their mass, right? Because, you know, I'm not Catholic. So they put me out of the room at mass time. It's like, oh, I don't need to join your mass. I'm going to have my own communion. And sat in a little side room and had to sit myself. So they put me in a room with some kids, 30 kids. And they're like, because the kids weren't allowed in there for some reason. I don't know. I couldn't understand what they're talking about. It was all in French. So they just put me in this little side room with 30 kids. And I'm like, all right, what should I teach them? I thought, I'll just teach them the gospel. So I just taught them the gospel. And I said, does anybody here actually want to give their lives to Jesus tonight? Does any, do, you, do you guys know Jesus? And they're like, no. Anybody want to? Yeah. They all put their hands up. I, leave all, I lead all 30 to the Lord just like that. And I'm like, all right, tonight you're my ministry team. Because God's looking for some childlike faith. He's not looking for professionals. He's just looking for someone that believes that we've got a good dad. And I'm like, so tonight when I say I want my personal ministry team to come, you guys come fast. I said, who's coming? 25 out of 30 said that they're coming. I'm doing the Catholics preach late, right? The, the session started at 9 p.m. and goes to midnight. That was the final session. That was my session. I'm on the late night shift. Those are long days. Those long, long days. So I'm like, I get up and I preach and I'm like, all right, I need my ministry team to come. 25 kids come running to the front. And I'm like, guys, you're going to heal the sick tonight. And this is, this is so just back up to the little rooms, the side room. I'm like, I'm going to give some training on how to heal sick. And they're like, okay. I said, are you ready? I'm going to teach you tonight on words of knowledge. And they're like, okay. And I said, so when I give you the microphone, you're going to give me a word of knowledge. Do you know what a word of knowledge is? No. And I'm like, where's well, the training? You ready? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, what would it be that God would want to heal? And he goes, and he says something. I'm like, all right, you're all trained. See you tonight. That's how we do words of knowledge. What does God want healed? Well, it's not hard. He wants everyone healed. So these kids come up the front. And there's this young little lady there. She's probably nine or 10, 11 maybe. And I grabbed her by the hand and I said, come up on the platform. You're going to heal the sick. And she goes, Okay. She comes up, she's standing next to me, and I'm like, listen, the first miracle we'll go after is deaf ears. I said, everyone that's deaf, partially deaf, fully deaf, one ear deaf, if they're fully deaf, just nudge the person next to you, like, just stand. So we had a bunch of deaf people stand up all over the auditorium, and I said, she's going to heal you. And she goes, like, kind of a little white. She's like, I said, do you know what you're doing? And she goes, No. I'm like, good, because neither do I. (laughs) I said, that's just a great place to start. 
She goes, okay. I said, how about I say, I'll count to three in French, and you say in French, ears open. She goes, okay. And I said, everyone that's deaf, you can put your fingers in your ears. And the whole church, all of us, when she says ears open, we're going to go pop. Jesus likes us having fun, you know. I mean, come on, seriously. I mean, seriousness is in fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say righteousness, joy, peace, seriousness, patience, kindness. Like he actually likes us having fun. And she goes, okay, I'm ready. And I'm like, good. I said, you're ready, everyone. And they're all standing up and fingers in the ears. And I said, er de toi. And she goes, in French, she goes, ears open. It doesn't need to be a long prayer. She goes, ears open in Jesus' name. It actually only needs to be a little longer than Jesus himself. Because he didn't have to say in Jesus' name, he was Jesus. <laughs> so she goes, ears open in Jesus' name. And the whole 2,000 people go, pop! That sounded so cool. I said, now take your ears, take your ears out. <laughs> take, <laughs> take your fingers out of your ears and test them out. We had a hundred deaf ears open just like that. See, because it's not our job to work out how a miracle happens. It's not our job to work out how a blind eye opens. It's not our job to work out how a deaf ear opens. It's not our job to work out how a tumor falls off someone. Saw one dissolve last week. It was awesome. It was right here on the ladies' um. What do you call this piece here? Um, peck. Peck muscle right in here. Japan. Just like, I so wanted to put my hand on it and squeeze it. It's like, ah. I saw a whopping tumor dissolve of a lady under her arm. I was holding it and squeezing it between my fingers. It was like a big grapefruit and just, just disappeared right in front of me. That was a fun day. That's why I got it. My last name suits me, Gore. I, I just like a bit of the gore. <laughs> See, I, I'm just I'm convinced that a lot of people's faith is actually in their faith. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is not in my prayer. My faith is not in my formula. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter. In the English Bible, it says, Of our faith. But that's not the correct translation. I prefer the German Bible, which I believe is the correct translation. It says, Not that I'm not German, I'm a New Zealander with a croaky voice. <laughs> It says, look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. Big difference. See, my faith is not in my formula. My faith is in the faith of Christ. See, my faith can go up and down. I have bad days. I have bad sleep. Some get bad moods. I get jet lagged. I get hungry. My faith can go up and down. But guess what? His faith is, does not shake. His faith is unshakable. 
See, my job in the healing ministry and your job in the healing ministry is to look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. Your job is to get your eyes off the problem and get them on the answer. I'm not here to partner with anybody's problem. I'm here to partner with the answer. And the more that I learn to partner with the answer, the more that I learn just to get lost with Jesus and look at Jesus, the more fruit I see. The enemy's all around. Psalm 23, it doesn't say, in the absence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. It says, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. I just love it when the enemy's around. I love it. Because that means it's not time to fight, it's time to feast. It's like I'm not going to fast my way through a breakthrough, I'm going to eat another chicken. That's how I fight, I fight by feeding. And if we just learn how to feed, I'm taking a little sidetrack here, if we just learn how to feed, i got something to tell you, it's not your pastor's responsibility to feed you. Man, if you if you only if I only ate once a week from the message that came on Sunday morning when I go to church, I too would die of starvation in two weeks. It's not your pastor's responsibility to feed you. The shepherd leads the sheep. The sheep feed themselves. I gotta learn to feed myself. I know how to feed myself. Chicken, beef. I'm talking about the word of God. Feeding myself on the Word of God. Feeding myself on, on who Jesus is. Amen? See, faith is not introspective. Faith, our faith must be anchored in the goodness of God, of who, of who God is and the nature of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. I, see, when you learn to look to Jesus... And you learn to get your eyes fixed on Jesus and not the problem. You'll begin to see the answer and not the problem. If I was to pray for pastor and he's missing a leg, it's really easy for me to see the missing leg. God doesn't see the missing leg. God sees that leg that's missing. I see what? I see the problem. God sees the answer. See, our job is to look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. So when I look to Jesus, I begin to see how he sees things and he sees the answer. It's very easy to be overwhelmed by the problem, to look and just see the problem. But the answer is not in the problem. The answer is in Jesus. Start to see the answer. No, No one ever came to Jesus and said, Jesus, i got great faith. Now will you use me? No one ever came to Jesus and said, Jesus, i got great faith. I think I've got enough. Now will you heal me? See, the woman with the issue of blood came to Jesus and she didn't say, Jesus, i got great faith. I think I've got enough. I hope I've got enough. She didn't say that, so I'd like to propose to you, why then did she come to Jesus? Because she saw him in his nature. And that's what happens when we get our eyes off our problem and we get them on the answer. 
and we start to look to the we start to look to the Lord, we start to look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of all things, the answer to all things. And then he turns and he's like, he heals us because we've seen him in his nature. And he turns and he goes, woman, great is your faith. It wasn't a question of, did she have enough faith? The question was, she came looking at Jesus in his nature. And then he turns and he acknowledges our faith when we see him in his nature. But yet most of us are walking around, well, I wonder if I've got enough faith tonight to be healed. Don't worry about it. It's not introspective. And it's not about having faith in your faith. Faith in faith just doesn't get you anything apart from a headache. I just want to have faith in the faith of Christ. Because when I look to Jesus, I begin to operate with the faith of Christ. Now, what would you rather have? I want to be operating in the faith of Christ. And that's how I can operate in the faith of Christ by looking to Jesus and seeing the way that he sees things. See, the great battle of our spiritual lives is will you believe that he is who he says he is, not will you try harder and make yourself worthy? I'm trying to put the simplicity back in faith because I feel like over the years the faith just got so, it's got so warped. It's like, well, if you had had faith, you would have been healed. People come to me and they're like, why? I haven't got enough faith to be healed. And I'm like, that's all right, I got plenty. Just you relax, your job is to receive. And you start praying for them and they're like, no, stop. Stop praying. I'm not going to pray for you if you're going to pray too. Okay. Start praying again. They're like, yes, yes, amen. No, no, no. Stop praying. It's really hard to receive and give at the same time. Most of that just works. Like I've got to do something. Like I've got to assume the position. I, I literally stop people. Just receive. Don't worry about your faith. He's got plenty. He's got more faith in you than you have in yourself. So just rest in his. See, what would it look like if we put the simplicity back in the gospel? You guys doing all right? It's only 20 past six in California. I'm just warming up. (laughs) See, here's what I believe is the secret to operating in great faith. Stop worrying about your faith. Because you've probably got your eyes inward and faith is not introspective. It's outward. It's Jesus. Getting our eyes on Jesus and beginning to see things the way that he sees things. See, faith is not a transaction. It's a relationship. <clears throat> faith, is, faith and logic are two completely different things. It doesn't operate by logic. If you're trying to work out how the miracle happens, you already missed it. 
It's not your job to work out how a deaf ear opens. So I haven't worked that one out yet. When I was at a conference in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Deaf man, not only deaf, he'd had a brain tumor and all the inner ear had been removed, all taken out. Now, I knew that, but my ministry team intern didn't know that. I wasn't going to tell him. The less he knows, the better. Otherwise, he's going to go to logic to work out how a deaf ear can hear with no parts. <clears throat> As the pastor's, son, the pastor's father comes to the meeting as an unbelieving believer. Sitting in the back. And I'm thank God that God spoke to my intern and not to me because he told my intern to go and kiss him and he'd be healed. <laughs> and he told me, he goes like, oh, Chris, and he's like, God told me to kiss that man and he'd be healed. And I'm like, well, get your lips out, get going. <laughs> he goes, all right. So he marches through and he's like, oh. Sir, like, I gotta kiss you. And he leans his head and he gets a smack on the forehead. Boom, his ear opens up, just like that. What happened? Did he get new parts? I don't know. Don't care. <laughs> he can hear. See, it's not logic. See, faith doesn't operate by logic, faith operates by relationship. You imagine if you operated your marriage by logic. <laughs> Did you know that the mouth is the most disease-carrying part on the entire body? You've got millions and millions of bugs and viruses and stuff always active in your mouth. You don't think about that in your moment of passion, do you? It's like, come on, baby, bring it on. I mean, if, if you're logical, you'd never kiss anybody ever again. It's like, can't touch this. <laughs> that sounded just like MC Hammer too, didn't it? <laughs> See, the angel of the Lord, I'm going to close in a minute. Maybe. <laughs> the first attempt at landing. <laughs> oh, landing abort, take off. In Luke chapter, uh, um, Luke chapter, um, somewhere in Luke. <laughs> it's, in, uh, it's in Luke chapter. Um, I think I wrote down the wrong verse. That's what threw me. I wrote down Luke chapter 11, but it's Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, it says that, when, uh, that the, uh, we know the story of Zacharias. And Zacharias and Elizabeth, you know, they wanted to have, they wanted to have kids. And we know that uh, Elizabeth can't, she can't. And it says here, it says, um, And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall name him John. Well, the, where it says your prayer is heard, it actually means the prayer you no longer pray. Just a little bit of hope for those that have given up. Your prayer is sitting in the tipping bowl of heaven and it's ready to tip over. 
says the prayer you've heard and your uh, sorry your uh, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall name him John. And John's like I'm sorry Zacharias is like oh yeah how can that be? She's uh, she's past the age of childbearing. And the angel goes, hold on one second. This is me reading between the lines now. The angel goes, one second, please. Comes back with a roll of solid tape and shuts his mouth. And says he's muted. Why? Because I know what would have happened. He would have gone back to Elizabeth that night. And he's like, Elizabeth, you would never guess what happened today. I had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord told me that you're going to have a baby. And I told him, you silly fool. She is so old. She is so old that we don't even practice anymore. And you're saying we're going to have a baby? No, because Proverbs 18 says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And he would have gone home and he would have talked himself right out of the miracle. See, that's called logic. It's not your job to work out how your wife gets pregnant when you can't and you get a word from the Lord that says you will. I got a message there. I'm not sure if I have it here or not. It's called Accidental Miracles. I got a reputation for getting ladies pregnant. And I promise I didn't touch them. I lost count at 150 ladies that had messed up menstrual cycles and were unable to conceive. And they just come near me. And this is called Accidental Miracles. When you, when you become so consumed with Jesus... That things will happen around you that you didn't even try to do. Anybody can't get pregnant? Anyone want to get pregnant? Doesn't matter what your age is, even if you're 100. (laughs) Anybody know someone that wants to get pregnant? There we go. Give that to her. Tell her to be careful. It's dangerous. But faith does need an action. Unless you believe in the immaculate conception like Mary. See, Zacharias asked a question. The question was, how can that be? She is too old. Well, is it? That's logic. But why is it that just a few verses on in the same chapter, the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to bear a son and his name's going to be Jesus. And Mary says, how can that be? I have not been with man. If you don't know what that means, ask your mum. <laughs> I have not been with man. Why is it that Mary asked a question and she didn't get the sellotape treatment? And Zacharias did. See, God doesn't mind genuine questions, but he detests being put on trial. And Mary asks, I want you to think about this. Mary asks a genuine question. How can this be? I'm a virgin. 
And the angel gives her an answer that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. Tell me that that makes sense. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. How can that be? I'm a virgin. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. Angel, can I have one more question? How can that be? I'm a virgin. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. Can I just have one more, one more question? How can that be? I'm a virgin. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive. Oh, just one more. What does that look like? And Mary doesn't question the answer that makes absolutely no sense. She goes, be it unto me according to your word. See, we need to put the simplicity of the gospel back in the church and stop trying to work out how somebody's going to get healed because it's not your job to work out how somebody's going to get healed. It's not your job to know even how to do it. Your job is just to hang out with the one that's good at his job. I just, we're seeing the most phenomenal miracles. I had eight years, uh, 10, I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's 11 it's 12 years. It's 12 years of just the most extraordinary fruit. I've probably seen an excess in the last 12 years. I've probably seen two or 3,000 deaf people healed. I've seen hundreds of blind eyes open. I've seen blind eyes from birth open. I've seen cancers just fall off people. People that doctors like given days to live with cancer and they're totally restored on the spot. Autistic children, 47 of them healed. Little girl, cerebral palsy in Sacramento, got out of her wheelchair and walked and never went back in it. He's just looking for someone that believes that he is who he says he is and he's good at his job. Because if he's good at his job, you don't need to be good at yours. He's just looking for a vessel to flow through. Not a perfect vessel. He's looking for a willing vessel. Because he's the perfect one. You guys okay? Man, I just, I just love Jesus. I'm so wildly in love with Jesus. He's just like everything to me. See, it's not the size of your faith that determines the outcome. It's the size of your God. And I just haven't ever big God. <laughs> I shared this verse this morning. Psalm 34, come magnify the Lord with me. What does that mean? It means to make something bigger than it actually is. Ah, oh, funny verse, because we can't make God any bigger than he already is. So therefore, he doesn't have to change the way he thinks. We've got to change the way we think. We have to change our perspective of how big God is. And he's bigger than you think. See, i got a big God. I, I, I'm away from my wife and only one, I only got one wife. Away from my one wife and my three precious daughters, 90 days a year. So I'm traveling about 90 days a year. See, if you came to me and like, like my wife's at home alone. She's got one in college and one ready to go. And if you came to me and said, well, you must have great faith in your wife. To behave yourself when you're out of town. 
probably going to slap you. Because I don't have great faith in my wife. I got a great wife. And she doesn't have great faith in me. She's got a great husband. She told me once. (laughs) See, it's not the size of our faith. Do I love faith? Yes. But isn't it interesting that in the epistle of Peter, it opens and it closes with the same verse, that we may grow in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ? No. It says that we may grow in the grace and in the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the more I focus my attention on the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more I grow in faith, that faith is the byproduct of hanging out with Jesus. I'm not worried about, oh, do I have enough? Because faith's not introspective. I don't know about you, but I've never gone in and come out feeling great. It's because it's not introspective. I just want to keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. He's the perfect one. There is no shortfall. There is no wavering. There he is, the one that is full of abundance, that as I can keep my eyes on him and I look to the people out of the eyes of God, I am full with the abundance of faith because I'm seeing you how Jesus sees you. I did have a false landing at the airport. We're going around again. About Exodus 12, the, the angel of death coming over. And they say, you've got to take the kill the lamb. That's why I wanted to talk about that. And to kill the lamb. It's good to kill lambs. I like eating lambs. I'm sure. And it says to take, take the, uh, take the um, blood of the lamb and take all the rest and barbecue it and eat it. That's what it says. It's like, it's, I think it's a New Zealander right there. And it says, and to take the blood of the lamb and put it over the lintel of the doorpost. And when the angel of death comes by, he'll see the blood of the lamb and he'll pass by. See, what it doesn't say is little Johnny inside the house who's under five. Oh, dad, I hope you've got enough faith. Otherwise, I'm the one that's going to die. It wasn't a question of faith. It was a question of, are you covered by the blood of the lamb? See, I just long to see a church put Jesus back in it. Right, CJ? I want to see the centrality of the cross come back into church. I just want to see seriousness kicked out, religion kicked out, fun brought back in, Jesus brought back in, and we'd actually start having a party and we'd see fruit. Well, that's what I think. (laughs) I'll close with the story, I promise. And we're going to pray. When I was a child, which wasn't that long ago, when I was five, we start school in New Zealand on the day we're five. That's our birthday present. Off to school you go. Hi-ho, hi-ho. I remember the day I started school. 
I, I remember it so well because my mum wasn't with me. My mum was in hospital giving birth to my sister on my fifth birthday. Well, I am actually, I, New Zealand's, the New Zealand school year starts the 4th of February. Right? We break for two months over Christmas. So my birthday's at the end of December. So I can't start school the day on five because we're on holiday. So I wait for the first day of school and then I start. And my father was a carpenter. He was a house builder. And uh, he, then he went to an insurance agent and he still, he still, um, he, he makes garden furniture. He's just, my father just, he, my father won't quit. He's 73 and still working full time building fences and garden furniture. And got a good heritage. My grandparents had just had their 70th wedding anniversary. Going home next month to see my granddad for, my, for his 92nd birthday. My grandma's coming up 93. Lived in divine health all their lives, never been sick. He's going to die one day with a microphone in his hand preaching. And I'm going to be there to snatch it out. <laughs> and just carry on. He's a wonderful, wonderful man of God. I love my grandparents so much. They just, they're, they're everything to me. And so my, my dad, my mum used to pick me up from, my, from kindergarten and take me to my father's construction site. And we'd get to my father's construction site, and my father would say, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm like, why is that, Dad? And he goes, because we've got work to do, and I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't have shown up. I'm like, all right. He says, eat your lunch. And I'd sit on his fifth wheeler with tools and eat my lunch. He'd say, now get to work. I'm like, okay, Dad, I'm five. I'm not even five. I'm before five. And get to work. And I'm like, what are we doing today, Dad? And he goes, there's some lumber over there. We call it timber. There's some timber over there. You call it two by four. We call it 100 by 40. <laughs> he says, we're going to have to pick that up, and we need to move it across the yard, and we need to put it down over there. I'm like, all right, Dan. He says, you take one end, and I'll take the other. On the count of three, we're going to lift, and we're going to march it across the section. All right, Dan. He says, are you ready, son? I'm like, yes, Dan. One, two, three. Lift. And off we march with this, you know, like a 10-foot piece of timber across the yard. I only just worked out a few years ago why he was never at the other end, why he was always in the middle. (laughs) I never knew. Because he knew I didn't have the strength and the muscle to carry it alone. But yet, when we put the timber down at the other end, he turns to me and he goes, and he makes me look like the genius, like it was my muscle that actually moved it. He goes, my son, my son, Christopher Jane Gore, you are getting so strong. Look at those muscles on you. And I'm like, dad and he goes now let's go move another one and I'm like yeah see that's just like faith it's his faith that moved it it is his muscle that went into it and the miracle happens and he makes us look like the genius oh my son my son look at you look how you just healed that person I'm like I got no idea what I did (laughs) see that's the heart of the father He makes us 
look like the genius for just what happened, but we really don't know what we're doing. See, grace is opposed to works, but it's not opposed to putting in an effort. The more that I see Jesus in his nature, the more that I just get lost with Jesus and I see how good he is, it's like the more effort I want to put in. Because he didn't go through all he we, he didn't go through all he went through, so we can just do church. Man, those that say that under grace we don't have to do anything, no, it empowers us to do something. Oh, under grace, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to sit back and it's like no. Under grace, you're so empowered to get out there and heal the sick and love on people. Amen? Anybody just love Jesus? Man, I don't know if I've already told you, but I love Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus so much. It messes me up. I encourage you to read the gospel sometime. So I just love the gospel. I just can't get out of it. I'm in Corinthians. I want to preach nothing except Christ and Christ crucified. I'm like, yeah. I don't come to you with persuasive words. I come to you with a demonstration of the power of God. I'm not the best preacher you'll ever hear. None of us have to be good at what we do. We just got to hang out the one that's good at what he does. And I see little point in doing Bible study without having Bible experience. That's called religion. We do Bible study and I can't think of anything worse to do to come to church on Sunday, sit down, shake a few hands, clap your hands, hear a boring message and go home for my roast chicken. If our Bible study is not leading us to an, an encounter with God through experience, it's actually lead us into religion. So we're not going to have Bible study tonight. We're going to have some Bible experience. Because I see a little point in doing one without the other. Amen? Okay, here's what we're going to do. Quarter to seven. At least two hours. It's getting warm in here, isn't it? I can't believe how cold your place is here. It's like, oh, I'm not born for the cold. <laughs> The only time I like cold is when I'm doing something on skis fast. <laughs> Apart from that, send me back to California. <laughs> it's a bit warmer. Here's what we're going to do. I, I want you to stand if you have any issue with the neck, whether it be a whiplash from a car accident. I actually saw, I saw someone that had a car accident in excess of 20 years ago, and you've still got residual effects of the neck from that car accident. Is there anyone over 20 years had a car accident? So not just whiplash, but like you've got incorrect curvature in the neck, you've got a clicking in the neck, you've got a graunching in the neck. You know, it's just like any, anything wrong with the neck. You've got titanium plates in the neck, metal in the neck, metal cage in the neck. I was at my grandpa's church. And I said, there's somebody here with metal in their neck. I said, who's that? It's got metal in the neck. And 
I said, because foreign objects are in there to dissolve. That's what they're there for. But that day, I'd had fish and chips from New Zealand, the best fish and chips in the world. And I got a massive bone lodged in my throat. And, and I'm preaching. <coughs> and I, I, had, I was bleeding all day. I could feel it trickling down my throat. And I just couldn't get it out. No matter how much I tried my fingers, I tried stuffing bread down there. And, and I didn't want to go to the doctor to have surgery because I had to fly back to the United States the next morning. I could have had surgery for free in New Zealand. I was in a real dilemma. I could have had surgery free to get it removed and not make my flight. Or I could have gone back to America and get charged thousands of dollars for a two-minute surgery. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to believe God. And I said, somebody here with metal in your neck. I said, who's that? And this lady puts her hand up and I said, because metal is there to dissolve. I said, foreign objects in our, are in our body. They're, not, they're there to dissolve. And like that, the bone disappeared. <laughs> I felt it just like, <laughs> I'm like, it's gone. I mean, everyone knew I had it because I was like, <laughs> the whole way through the sermon. And as the bone dissolved, so did the whole cage that was supporting her neck. And I said, how did you, um, what happened? And she said, I, got, I was in a, uh, an SUV. And it got ran over by a semi-truck and trailer. She said, my car, she showed me a photo of it. Her SUV was flat. She said, how I survived, they do not know. My boys walked away with it out of scratch. I had to be hallivacked out. She said, I've got a cage in my neck that holds my neck together and screws and bolts and plates the whole way up the back of my neck, holding my neck in place. I cannot move it. I said, what happened tonight? She goes, I don't know, but I can do this now. (laughs) I love miracles. Not as much as I love Jesus. The miracle just points to a greater reality. We don't exit out the door through the exit sign. We exit through the door. The sign is just a sign that points to the greater reality. The miracle is a sign that points to greater reality. The exit, Jesus. Okay, here's what we're going to do. All the neck people are standing. Put your hand up if you've got something wrong with your neck. Just one hand. You're not waving out to Jesus. This is not like assume the position or just one hand up so we know who you are. All right. I, I want one person. God's not looking for a majority. You didn't need a majority to change Oklahoma. He actually only needs one. One person that believes him could actually change this state. So I want one person that believes that he's actually the healer and you're not to get out of your seat and go and stand next to someone that's got their hand up, someone you didn't come with, and just pull their hand down. Don't talk to them. Just pull their hand down. Not your husband or your wife. Go and find someone else. Yes, we've got a lady right here in the middle. A gentleman back here, a lady right here, and some people back there. Kind of need people that are sitting down. Like this is, we all get to participate. Still got a um, young lady right at the back. Did you just, get, someone just get you? Steve's wife. Yes. Yes, this man here. Okay, has everyone got someone? 
Wave out if you don't have someone. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to walk you through a couple, right? And then you're on your own. Right, now don't get all serious because it's prayer time now, right? Serious is, is not the fruit of the Spirit. Just relax. Why don't you just, why don't you look at them and give them a big smile? Perfect. That's just a good start. That's a good manifestation right there. Smile. I want you to turn to them and just ask them what their name is. They'll be real polite. Find out what each other's name is. All right. You're doing good. Now now I'm going to ask you to ask, ask them this. Say, is it okay that I put my hand on your neck? If it's not okay, just put it on their shoulder or something. Don't squeeze it or anything like that. Just be gentle and just put your hand on their neck. Okay. You ready? It's, it's my, this is my prayer model. It's about as long as it gets. Find out their name, put their hand on them, and heal them. So now, now here's what I want you to do. You're going to pray for them. Now, it's not your prayers that heal. Okay? He's the healer. He's looking for someone that believes that he is good at his job. If you think, well, tell us how to pray. It's like, no, 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 it's not your prayers that heal, so don't worry about it. He's just looking for a childlike, faith-filled prayer. Like the little girl is open in Jesus' name. I want you to open your mouth and I want you to speak to the neck. Faith-filled prayer. Don't say this. Jesus, would you come and heal? No, he told you to do it. Don't say this. Jesus, if it be your will. No, that's for people that don't know his will. That's called the wishy-washy prayers. Jesus, if it be your will. That's for people that just don't know his will. So you're going to put your hand on the neck and you're just going to pray a faith-filled 10-second prayer. Speak to the condition. Bless the neck. Say, neck. If you don't know how to pray, just like, neck, behave yourself. Just, <laughs> just pray something childlike. Okay, go. If you're receiving, don't pray. Just receive. All right, that'll do it. Close your prayer and thank you, Jesus. All right, now on the count of three, I want everyone that's just standing, I want you to test it out, okay? Ready? Do something you couldn't have done. I'm not asking you to do something stupid. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, you don't have to do a backwards somersault off the platform, okay? One, two, three. Test it out. All right, now I want you to put up your hand if you know that something just happened. You got improvement or you got breakthrough. Something's happened. Raise your hand nice and high right now. Okay, keep it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm not sure if I counted you. Maybe ten. Okay, take your hands down. I want you to pray for them again. Now, if they've already been healed, don't pray again. You'll mess it up. Right? 
And if they haven't been healed, you do not need to pray harder. It's like, oh, now I've got to pray hard and serious. It's like, no, just pray the prayer of faith. Just speak to the neck and say, Father, I just bless that neck to come into order of how you designed it to be. In Jesus' name, just pray a simple prayer. Okay, finish your prayer. Go test it out. Begin to move it around. Do something you couldn't have done. Move it around. All right, if you know something that happened just in the first prayer or the second, second one, raise your hand. I thought something happened with you. <laughs> That's just sounded like a little burst of joy. Raise your hand. First or second time you got prayed for, you know something's happened. Raise it up. All right, look at that. Keep it up, keep it up. Nice and high. Some of you going up and down. You know something happened, raise it up. Keep it up. Fourteen. All right, you can be seated. We're gonna get, I'm going to lead you in a couple more, and then we're just going to have like, I'm going to let the students loose. Okay, I want you to stand if you have, if you have floaters in your eyes. Little black things, you see like things darting around in your eyes, it's like shadows or whatever you want to call them. All right. Raise your hand if you're standing. Now, now let, me just, let me just say this before you raise your hand. Logical people will say, I wonder if you meant me. <laughs> like he said floaters, but they're not called floaters. They're called... Or a logical person will say, there's someone with the shoulder pain in here. And a logical person will go, ah, oh, man, mine's there. It's close enough. It's like if I point at my right shoulder and yours is your left. That's close enough. This this is a true story. I was in a conference with a a friend and we were just we're there to receive. And the minister goes, "We're going to pray for people tonight that have terminal disease. Stand if you've got terminal disease." And my friend stands. And I'm, I went up to him after. I'm like, "Hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you're terminal." And he goes, "Nah, I just got a sore back. I thought it was close enough." He got healed. See, that just sounds like childlike faith to me. The other is like logic. It's like, yeah, I don't think he quite pointed to the right spot. Like, didn't quite say the right, he didn't say the condition quite right. Okay, so you've got little black things in your eyes floaters, whatever they're called, shadows, ghosts, stand up. Whether that be macular degeneration or just, oh, let's just go for anything wrong in the eyes. Just stand up. You've got something wrong with your eyes. All right, raise your hands. A hand. Just a hand. Just a hand. One hand. All right. 
those that are sitting that know Jesus, I need you to get out of your seat and go and find someone that's got their hand up. Keep your hand up until help comes. Don't, don't talk to them yet. Just pull their hand down. Okay, we've still got, still got hands over here. Still got a hand at the very back. Still got a hand over here. Hand over here. Someone at the very back here. Someone grab that man. Students, can you get ready to help me? Okay. Okay, are you ready? Listen, look up here. Did anyone get missed? Okay, find out what their name is. Okay, you ready? Okay, ask them if it's okay you can put your hand on their eyes. Not in them, like on them. Okay, don't pray. Just wait a second. Just get your hand on their eyes. You don't need to do anything weird like lick them or spit in them. or like. <laughs> Give them a wet willy in the eye. Okay, now I want you to just pray a nice childlike prayer. Just say, floaters, dissolve in Jesus' name. Just, just speak to the condition. All right, take your hand off. Okay, see, look around, find your floaters, see if you can find them. You'll find they're gone. Raise your hand if you can't find your floaters. Put your hand up nice and high if you can't find your floaters anymore. Nice and high, real high. Keep it up, nice and high, nice and high. Ten people just lost their floaters, and we're not going to help you look for them. (laughs) All right, if they haven't been healed, I want you to pray again. Jesus prayed for a blind man twice. Pray again. Just put your hand on there. If they're not healed, it doesn't mean that it's not God's will to heal them. Just tell the floaters to get off. Just bless their eyes. Just release a blessing over them. Okay, take your hand off. Test them out. Look for your floaters. Check out your eyes. Look around. Do what you've got to do. Look in the lights. Whatever. Okay, first or second time. First or second prayer. If you can't find your floaters, raise your hand. Keep it up real high. Keep it up, keep it up. 
Just keep it. Can you lift it up again? Can you lift your hand up again? Lift your hand up again if you lost your floaters. Thirteen people. Fourteen people. Do we have anyone else that didn't put their hand up? Fourteen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can be seated. I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to let the students loose, all right? You getting comfortable with this now? Hearing loss. You know that has hearing loss. Partially deaf, fully deaf, one ear, both ears. Stand up. If they're completely deaf and they can't hear me, just stand to stand. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I, I do not need a word of knowledge to get you healed. Okay? I think a word of knowledge is great just for building faith and room. I don't need a word of knowledge to get you healed. What I need is the word of God to get you healed. And it says that everyone that came to Jesus was healed. That's his will. Matthew 10, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. My team are going to operate in word of knowledge in a moment. And I'll explain something at the end of that. Okay, raise your hand. This is the people of hearing impairment. Raise your hand. Okay. Someone go and stand next to someone. Pull their hand down. Okay, now, now listen to me. Healing a deaf ear is no different to healing cancer and it's no difference to healing a pain in a pinky. Okay, don't think, that, oh my goodness, like this is a bigger miracle. It's like, uh-uh. Just pray exactly the same way. Just speak to the condition. Speak to the ear and tell the ear to open. Put your hand on their ear. And ringing in the ear. Did anyone have ringing in the ears? that didn't stand. If you've got ringing in your ears that didn't stand, you can stand. That was, okay, someone put your hand up. Okay, someone quickly get these, these ladies, the lady at the back. There's a few ladies over here. Gentlemen here. Quick, another lady. There's two ladies back there. Just speak to it. If it's ringing, just say silent. You be silent. Ears be silent. All right, take your hands off their ears. Now I want you to get, begin to test it out. Right, begin to speak to them. I know this is a little harder to test, but begin to speak to them. See if my voice has gone up. Just begin to speak to them. Do something. You have to use your phone or do something.
All right. Look, look, at, look at me, your attention. Anyone that just got prayed for for their ears, anyone that noticed anything different, raise your hand. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know that the kingdom always increases when we give thanks. I don't think you heard me. Is this on? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. All right, you can take your seat. Team, come. Tomorrow night, we will go after miracles again. Right? Please bring people. It's like you want the sick healed? You want to see the sick healed? Bring the sick. Or go, better still, just go and pray for the sick out there. And So my team are going to release some words. Now, please don't operate in logic. All right? When they call out your word, I want you to immediately stand. This is why I love operating with the Catholics so much. I've never seen people that move so fast when a word's called out. I was on the way to Poland to speak at a Catholic conference. I love Poland. Awesome place. I've been a couple of times. And the Lord said to me on the way, he said, my people, you need to tell my people to take me fast. He said, my people are taking me too slow. So I get to Poland and I told them, I said, on the way here, the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is what Jesus said to me. My people need to take me fast. You're taking them too slow. And I said, so when the word knowledge is called out, I want you to immediately stand. Not like, you know, you call out a word and then a minute later somebody else stands up and it's like they're thinking about, I wonder if he meant me. I said, so you guys stand immediately when the word's called out. As fast as the words have been called out, they're getting healed in their seat, just like that. No one even prayed. It had 880... Catholics in the room. The Catholics came because it was, it was actually originally a Pentecostal conference. Pentecostal church sent letters to every church in Poland saying, don't come, Chris Gore's dangerous. So all the Catholics were curious, so they came. <laughs> we had 880 Catholics in the room and we had 2,000 miracles in one session. As the word was called, because his word goes forward and he heals them. As the word was called for, they leaped out of their seat to like say that's me. And as they got up, they were healed, just like that. Hundreds and hundreds of them. I could show you a video of all the hands that are waving that we literally lost count at like 2,000 people because most people got two, three miracles. Right? So when the word's called out, don't go, oh, I wonder if he meant me. It's like, it's close enough. Migraines. Any kind of headache. Any type of tumor. Ankles, both left and right. Uh, the big toe, especially in the left foot and wrists. Any shoulder pain. Any problems or pain in the elbows. Rib cartilage pain. 
back problems, scoliosis? Uh, abdomen pain due to, you know, stomach issues. Um, kidney problems? Tooth pain? Knee problems? Hands, especially bones that didn't sit correctly? Joint pain or fibromyalgia? Varicose veins. A fatty liver. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If they have it, they know. <laughs> Any type of trouble breathing? Um, sinus problems. Uh, gallbladder? Um, any kind of problems with the ribs or in that area? Yeah, coccyx or pelvic pain. Um, Tailbone. Yeah. <laughs> um, cancer in general. Uh, sternoclavicular joint pain just here. <laughs> pain in the foot just in general. Digestion problems. Celiac. This is for women, older women. Having things happen in your body that you're not happy about. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Okay, here's what I want you to do. If you're standing, I want you to raise one hand. And keep it up, okay, until help comes. I need everyone that's sitting, even the unbelieving believers, to get out of your seat and go and find someone to stand next to. Pull the hand down when you get there. Keep your hand up until help comes. Okay, now look at me. Everyone that doesn't have someone yet should still have their hand up. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to look silly, but we'll all look silly doing it together. And step out of your seat with your hand up. And you're going to walk around the room with your hand up until you find somebody else with their hand up that you didn't come with. Right? And you're going to partner up. So two people with their hands up are going to partner up. Okay? All right, pull, pull their hand down. If you've got someone, pull their hand down. Can I have someone? Are you together? Pull your hands down. Okay, shh. Okay, raise your hand if you don't have someone yet. The Japanese are so amazing at taking orders. I said to them, walk around the room, find someone that doesn't have their hand up, and in three seconds flat, everyone was partnered up. Like, literally, it was like, Wow. <laughs> okay. Anyone? Did anyone not get someone? Okay. Just take a few seconds and find out 
don't, don't do this until I say go. Find out what they need. Okay, now you probably both need something because some of you are partnered and doubled up. Now, find out what they need. Now, if you are the person receiving prayer, please, please don't tell them how long you've had it, how miserable you are, and how it happened. <laughs> right? Because all is, shh, 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 wait, wait, wait. All is we're doing is becoming impressed with the problem. I don't want to be impressed with the problem. I only want to be impressed with Jesus. I need just enough information to know how to pray. Okay, so just take a quick turn each and just tell them what you need. You know, like I'm missing an ear or whatever it is, you know. All right, okay. Are you ready? I want you to just, you're going to take turns in praying, right? So the first person's going to pray for about 10 or 15 seconds, and then I'll say switch, and you'll pray for the other person, right? You are, you are going to, oh, I lost my train of thought. You're going to take 10 or 15 seconds to pray. I'll say switch, and then you'll switch to the other person. Just pray short, pray the answer, okay? Speak to the problem. Are you ready? Go. Switch over. Okay, and wrap your prayer up. Okay, now look at me. I want everyone looking at me. On the count of three, I want everybody to do something that they wouldn't have been able to do, right? If there's some way you can test it. Most of those things were testable, right? Some weren't. Most were. I want you to begin to do something on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, let me have your attention up here. Okay, let me have your attention. If you know that something happened in your body tonight, whether it be the ears, the neck, or anything just then, anything at all happened tonight, I want you to quickly get out of your seat and come straight to the front, real quick. Come to the front. You know, something happened in your body tonight. Keep coming. Crunch on up. You can turn around. You can face out if you like. Who's that? 
Come on, Jesus. Sixty-four. Did anybody? Did anybody at the front have two things happen in their body? Raise your hand if you had two things. 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75. Can't put your hands down. Anyone have three things? 85, 86. Come on, Jesus. All right. Now, now I want you. I want you to raise your hand if you had your condition for one month or longer. Okay, one month or longer, okay? Six months or longer. One year or longer? Two years? Five years? Ten years? Keep it up for ten years. This is ten years or longer. Keep it up. One, two, three, four. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 people had it for 10 years or longer. 15 years? 15 years or longer, raise it up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 20 years? Raise it up for 20 years? How long, sir? 27 years. What happened? Twenty-seven years. Yay! How long? Thirty-four years. Thirty-three, thirty-four years. What happened? And what happened tonight? Can, can, do we have another microphone, or can you come up here? I had issues really hearing myself on the in inside. I could hear other, but the in inner ear or something. I don't know, but it's, I can hear myself. (laughs) She's a worship leader too. You got to hear yourself, right? Come on. 33 years. You don't look that old, but thank you. (laughs) I would have put you at like 22 or something. Who else was there? More than 20 years, 15 years. Yeah. What happened? My mother had a car wreck, and I hit the dashboard, and I had problems with my neck ever since. So how, how many how many years is that roughly? You don't need to tell us exactly. Is it more than thirty years? So you were the word accident so, more than twenty years ago. Yes. So. Come on. So it's good. You can move it around. No pain. Hang all gone. Hang all gone. Okay. Who else? 15 years. Who else? 15 years. I had a discectomy infusion in my neck, and now I can move it a lot better. I have a lot more movement and uh, a lot less clicking and grinding. Just come here. We're going to finish you off. 
It still grinds a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, test that. Just a little. I heard that. Okay, test that. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Nick, behave yourself. Right now. Nick, behave yourself. It's better, but it still grinds. Just finish it off, will you? Yeah. Almost totally gone. It's almost just shoot the last bit off. <laughs> Peace right now. Have you gone by the time you get home? You just give thanks. Okay? You just give thanks on the way. Not to me, thank God. Yeah. Okay. Who else? Who else was there? 10, 10 to 15 years. Who else? High school and college football. Um, here on the neck. Well, it's better. Uh, but there's still, uh, there's still some grinding. What was it when you came? If 10's bad. What is it out of 10? What was it? Okay, and what paid? was it after you got prayed for? Ten's bad. It was probably about, about seven. Two. Okay, we've got to just get two to zero, okay? About a two. About a two. Okay, we've got to just get two to zero. All right, that ought to do it. Again, just say, just say, just pray something real simple. Still about two. About two. Get him. Yeah, that ought to work. <laughs> Peace. Get up. Peace. That's a good prayer. Yeah, that ought to work. If you know what peace means peace. in Hebrew, that's a great peace. prayer. That's a good prayer. About you one. Peace means in Hebrew. That's a great huh? Right. Come on. I'm not going to do it. You one. Finish it off. There you go. Right. Come on. I'm not going to do it. You got to finish it off. And what happened tonight? Uh, I've always had scoliosis. Is there any way to physically test it? Uh, like, I felt like the muscle imbalances even up and just things you're felt... not outside, you'll freeze. <laughs> uh, <I'll say> <laughs> probably not, <laughs> but... Can you physically see it? It's not really a way to test it. Like, sex, it's just like what I can looks like. feel in my back and my so muscles. And just turn around and now bend over. Me, I don't know. I don't know how bad it was, but it looks pretty good to me. I don't know how bad it was, but it looks pretty good. Yeah, come on. Someone else, ten to fifteen years. Where are you? Where are those? Yes. Someone else, ten to fifteen years. Where are you? Oh, yes. I had partial deafness in this ear from a child. And what happened child. tonight? That's what the doctor said. I don't know how you determined that, but I just I can hear a little bit better. Hear she, I couldn't hear whispering usually. Hear it tonight. Come on, Jesus. She whispered. I could hear it. Not you know. Mm-hmm. Someone else. Someone else. Ten to fifteen years. Uh-huh. Ten to fifteen years. 
What, what happened to you? Yeah, I have struggled with tinnitus for at least 10 years. I can't remember. It just feels like there's this calm. It, they weren't really ringing bad before I got here, but very calm right now. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. What happened to you? Uh, stomach, upset stomach a lot. Uh, always, on, I'm on medication for that, and I just felt just a, a releasing, like you know, with the tightness. And I had some ringing in the ears. This one totally did, but this is still a little bit. But praise God, I I'm just <laughs> answer the phone. <laughs> better it's like it's way in the background instead of just right here in the neck and it's better but I also years ago was told I had scoliosis what does that mean better or good it's better <laughs> yes what does better mean does that does, better is it gone <laughs> good <laughs> not completely just tell it to loose muscle behave speak it out Open your mouth and speak. Just say muscle. Behave. Okay, test that. Do what do I say? Muscle behave. What happened to you? Awesome. You, got, you guys might need to pray for me later. I sat in the kitchen and do it this afternoon. Oh man, I know the hitting me so loud. Like, I jumped in the car and as fast as I jumped in, I jumped out of it. My head was going to explode. And that was loud. <laughs> what happened to you, Mrs. Kicker? <laughs> I have had arthritis and um, a lot of pain in my wrist. In fact, I've had uh, thumb surgery, and I have been limited hey, in some us. of the things I could do, like, for example, doing now. push-ups. Give me now, five, soldier. Sir, floaters. How many years? Over two years, and they're gone. Thank you, Jesus. What happened to you, Emily? 
Because he is gone. Um, my foot would always oh, hurt really bad after I moved a lot. Then, lady? And now it mean it doesn't even hurt after, you know, worship. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had really bad um pain like right here for quite a while and it's gone. It's gone on both knees. Thank um you, Jesus. knee pain, but well, it's you, gone on both knees, so it's all good. Uh I had a little uh, trouble Yay. breathing, but it's all it's someone good else. now. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. Come on, Jesus. Uh, I had back pain in my lower back, and it's gone now. Come on, Jesus. Completely gone. Yay, yay. I had pain in my right knee, now it's completely gone. Um, I've had misaligned feet since I was like we found out when I was 10 and my circulation was weird. And now I just, I, it's a weird way to test it. I, yeah, I can't yeah. really test it, but yeah. I feel like my circulation's a lot better and my alignment's a lot better. So, Hi, I had shoulder and neck pain and I couldn't lift this arm very well. And now I'm Yay. lifting it. Someone else. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I have had my shoulder and my arm pain, and I don't know what, but for the past year, and I th- I just had two babies That's in a row, so I don't know if it's from Yay, lifting, but I... Well, this, uh, this young lady here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I don't even know how to say that name. Anais. That's a pretty name. Oh. Anais. Um, eyesight. My eyesight has just gotten worse and worse from 20 years and up, and I'm wow, 29. Come on. And somebody pray for me, and I can see very well. Huh? Yes. <clears throat> and my breathing as well. My breathing, I have had sinus issues, and obviously it's kind of hard to yeah. test it right now, but I did notice that my airways and my breathing just One got better during. So. This is, and it could be because it's blocked, or this is crooked. You can only breathe in one nostril. One's completely blocked. Stand up. Okay. Just test it out right now. Block your good one and breathe in your bad one. It's okay now. It's open. See, his word goes forward and heals them. Someone else. Let's just have a couple more. Two more. Did we get you before? I had problems uh, breathing. Like you're European. Somewhat kind of like, I don't know, nervous breathing. Somewhat just kind of, (laughs) yeah, I'm from Germany. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I was able to take a deep breath without that cramping, you know, that long cramping up. (gasps) Cancer. Recent cancer. Cancer. Happened or did you feel something? Recent. Well, I went to the hospital Monday night for chest pains. Lasted two hours, so we knew something was wrong. 
They tested my heart. My heart is perfectly fine. They did a CT scan with iodine. Yeah. Found one mass here between my heart and my chest. Several nodes on my lung and breast. One in my thyroid and a mass in my back. So, the pain and I had the shoulder pain from all that. All right, come and on. the pain just, is gone. Just come. Just come here. What is your name? Teresa. Yeah, well, thank you, God. Father, thank you for Teresa. Teresa. Father, Teresa. thank you that she's just the apple of your eye. Thank you for Father, we thank you, God, that you didn't send cancer to teach her a lesson, but you sent Jesus to teach cancer a lesson. So, God, we just speak to this body right now, and we just declare wholeness upon this body. Father, we declare that this is going to be a cancer-free report when she goes back to the doctor. You accept that. Good. We just bless her, Father. I bless her, Father. I just declare that the torment in this body, the day of torment in this body is over. Is over. We just speak life to every cell in this body, to the breast, to the nodes, to the all those other places. God, we just we just release your goodness and your touch to her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Full and complete. Yeah. The doctor gives facts. But he gives truth. Yes. Right? We don't fight the doctors because they give us facts. Right. right? We don't say, you're wrong. It's like, no, no, the doctor's just giving facts. <coughs> but, the, but Jesus isn't the spirit of fact. Jesus is the spirit of truth. Amen. So, God, we just released the spirit of truth into this body that we'd have a clear report upon her. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Why don't we stand together? Pastor, you want to come? I, I think we should just do one, one last thing and, I'm, and I'll pass it back to Pastor. Is that uh, the kingdom always increases when we give thanks. This is, this is such a big deal. When Jesus broke the loaves and the fish, right? He, he didn't just, the, you know, he didn't see the need and it just goes shabam. And there's a big pile of bread. He gave thanks. And it was in the giving of the thanks that the bread multiplied. You want to see more miracles tomorrow night? Then just give thanks. So let's lift our voice and let's give him thanks. Thank you. So I wonder if you think tonight was a good night. So how many of you think tomorrow's going to be a gooder night? All right. So we're going to encourage you guys to come back tomorrow and bring people with you. And also those of you who have registered for the healing school, it starts, uh, breakfast is at 9 o'clock and the, and the first session starts at 10. If you haven't registered for the healing school but you would like to, you can do that online or you can show up in the morning and, and sign up and I don't remember what the cost is and everything. If you go online, you can check all that out. Also, the last thing is um, if you want to sow into Chris Gore's ministry, uh, you can give online. or We have an offering box out there in the hallway on the table. Uh, if you want to make a check out to New Covenant Fellowship, and we'll make sure that it 100% goes to him. You guys have a wonderful evening.
Gotcha. And uh, when we close, listen, when we close, if, if for any reason your, your uh, issue or situation didn't get called out or whatever, you want prayer ministry for anything, the ministry team will be up here. Actually, the ministry team can come on up. They will be up here. So if you still want prayer, please don't leave tonight without receiving that, okay? You guys have a wonderful evening. evening. Sleep like babies. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. God bless you.